You're listening to the Greek's Gridiron. Now here's your host, Ethan Haristadulu. Welcome back, everybody, to the Greek's Gridiron and to another edition of Power Rankings, where we will recap this past weekend's Super Wild Card Weekend, which, in my personal opinion, ended with a pretty wild result in just about every single game. Whether it was blowouts, tight ones to the very finish line, teams winning in ways that people did not expect to see them win, whether it was an upset or not, there was a lot to digest from this past weekend's game, so I, of course, invite you all to comment down below let me hear your reactions to this past weekend what were your thoughts and opinions on some of the outcomes here how did you do as far as your picks and predictions go i went four and two picking winners and losers this past weekend so not too shabby but again comment down below let's discuss i'm doing my power rankings here along with recapping and as you can clearly see 32 through 15 there is not a lot of changes going on and that's going to be the case for the remainder of the postseason here for the most part there should not be really any changes going through this list here except for the colts at number 15 and i'll get into that in a second but if you're interested in hearing why i have all these teams where they are currently i feel i highly recommend that you go back at the end of this and rewatch my power rankings from wildcard week going into it there I go in depth into all the team's rankings for as to where they are to finish off the season but I'm not going to be changing anything as far as the rest of this list goes the Colts were an exception here and again I'll get to that in a second everyone else they are where they are based off of their 2023 performance and we will not be changing anything based off of moves beyond the regular season for them now as we begin we'll start with the Colts here at number 15 the reason for them falling is in large part because of teams moving around above them. In particularly, if those of you who watched last week remember, I did have a playoff team outside of the top 14 in the NFL, and they kind of went and made me look silly for doing that. So the Colts dropping down out of the top 14 because the one playoff team that I had outside the top 14 showed me that I was pretty much wrong in putting them where I did. Now, moving into the next three teams here, we will reveal we have at number 14, the Philadelphia Eagles falling three spots in their blowout loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. At number 13, the Steelers, a valiant effort in Buffalo, but ultimately coming up short in a very tough loss. And then we have ourselves, the Miami Dolphins, dealing with a really tough, frigid game against the Kansas City Chiefs, where the offense, aside from one big play to Tyree Kill that led to a touchdown, really could not do anything. Defense, though, surprising for how banged up they were did put up a decent fight and it's unfortunate the offense couldn't help aid them in said fight here but the eagles at number 14 here as i said this was the culmination of a you know final six weeks or so collapse that was just kind of building and you know at one point this team was what 10 and 1 11 yeah 10 and 1 at one point to see them fall the way they did was just disappointing, really, really disappointing. And now you have to sit here and wonder, was the talk about the locker room issues and some of the concerns surrounding things like A.J. Brown deleting all reference of Philadelphia Eagles from his social media, is all of that a sign of potentially something to come during this offseason? I don't necessarily know, but I think the loss being as bad as it was, not necessarily the loss itself, but how bad the loss actually was and just how 
unprepared it almost felt like the team was for this game here. The defense could not do a single thing against the Buccaneers passing attack. And honestly, if it wasn't for some wide open dropped catches, you're looking at a game where the Bucs could have hung 40 on Philadelphia. So a really tough finish for a team that at one point a lot of people still considered the best in the NFL. And I think rightfully so based off their track record coming out of the last season and into this year and starting out 10 and 1. But now... We have a lot more questions than we do answers, and I really don't know what's going to happen in Philadelphia because there's so much chatter coming out from that team right now, and I'm very curious to see what happens. At number 13, the Pittsburgh Steelers. This was kind of the result I was expecting, maybe a hard-fought matchup in good weather. I was kind of concerned as to how the game was going to shake out with that snowstorm, and I know a lot of people were upset with it being rescheduled. In my personal opinion, I think it was the right call. With the way Buffalo looked, trying to get ready for that game for one o'clock on Monday, or excuse me, 4.30 on Monday, I don't really see how it was feasible for that game to actually happen at one on Sunday. I know that a lot of people's, you know, travel plans got kind of screwed over and whatnot, and that's really unfortunate, but there was no realistic way that that game was going to get played without people's safety being put at risk, and I think at some point, like, we, we do need to kind of look at, look at the big picture here, and like, we are just obsessing over a game. That's what it is at the end of the day. I understand and some people might feel like it's life and death, but it is just a game. The Steelers, though, I got to give them some major credit. You go in and, you know, a lot of people looking at you as double-digit underdogs, and while you ultimately did lose pretty toughly, I will say that the Steelers surprised me, especially defensively. They weren't able to come away with as many turnovers as you think you would probably need to beat the Buffalo Bills team, especially considering how prone they were to turning the football over. But you did have opportunities with stops that you were creating and being able to put yourself in a position to potentially tie up the game and make a comeback. But ultimately, I think quarterback is something that this team needs to sort out. This team, and I feel like it gets said about a lot of teams, the Pittsburgh Steelers are literally a quarterback away. Like if Aaron Rodgers' timeline had gotten pushed back a year and he was going into the, you know, the potential being traded from the Green Bay Packers this offseason and he went to Pittsburgh to play with Mike Tomlin, next year this this Steelers team with Aaron Rodgers would be insane to talk about and discuss and look forward to going into next year. Unfortunately, that's not the case, and I think that if the Steelers can sort out their quarterback's issue this offseason, this is a team with a really good defense and a really good young nucleus that can continue to work on the offensive line that I think still needs some improvements, but make some serious noise going into 2024. At number 12, the Miami Dolphins, them dropping five spots, like I mentioned, offensively, you just could not get it done in the frigid cold. It felt like... You know, a lot of people talked about Miami as like the Ferrari of the NFL, the way their offense worked, you know, the hot weather, hot temperature, you know, hot lo location, all that kind of stuff. And then you bring that really nice car into some frigid weather. You forgot to turn it on maybe once or twice and you left it out. You know, maybe you didn't go anywhere for a couple of days and you couldn't get the engine to turn over because of just how damn cold it is and the car not being used to sitting in temperatures like that. That's basically the best way I could describe this offense here. I don't really know where the Dolphins go with Tua Tagovailoa now because, you know, at one point it felt like he was an MVP candidate. And now to finish off the season the way you did, yeah, you could point to the weather as being an issue. But to be fair, the Chiefs also were playing in that same weather. And, you know, people can say, well, it's colder in Kansas City. They're more acclimated nobody's really acclimated to that cold of weather. Like, yes, maybe it feels a little more cold to the guys from, you know, the tip of Florida, but 
in all reality, there are more issues offensively with the Miami Dolphins and their over-reliance of just really big plays and taking advantage of poorer defenses, in my opinion. Defensively, I've got to give them some credit because it's really unfortunate for how injured they were, how well they wound up playing in that game and keeping Kansas City at bay for the large majority of the matchup. Yes, Rashi Rice had himself a breakout moment in front of everybody on Peacock, but... I, it, it's unfortunate. It really is. It, offensively, they're going to have to take a long look in the mirror and make some adjustments. I'm curious to see what happens with Tua this offseason. Do they just double down and continue to work with him going forward? I kind of feel like that's the best course of action. I know some people don't want to hear that, but turning over at quarterback when you're this invested with a guy and you got this far already, like, yeah, this is a really tough pill to swallow and an ugly way to end the season, but you know, consistency and continuity are a big thing in the NFL. And if you can keep that consistency, especially at one of the most important positions in all of sport, if not the most important position in all of sports, I think you do when you try to continue to build this offense around Tua and see what you can do going into the next season. Next three teams will reveal here at number 11. We have ourselves the Cleveland Browns tanking eight spots following their ugly loss to the Houston Texans. At number 10, we have the Dallas Cowboys who fell six spots themselves. And then despite a tough, heartbreaking loss in Detroit, I have the Rams moving up a spot here. The lone loser this week moving up, tipping my cap to them for the fight that they put up against the Detroit Lions team that looks every bit the part of a legitimate Super Bowl contender at this point in the season. The Cleveland Browns, uh, we got basically what I was concerned about going into this matchup here. The Texans, being an opportunistic defense, had the opportunity to go up against the league's worst offense in terms of turnovers. And for as fun as it's been watching Joe Flacco do what he does, he was due for a game like this, and he already was kind of low-key having those games as well where he was making poor mistakes, but this was just in the playoffs, lights on the brightest, and it ultimately was like a crash-and-burn scenario, worst-case scenario. Two pick-sixes, not going to amount to a victory, but... This was something I was concerned about going into the game here was the turnovers becoming an issue. And we saw eight interceptions from Joe Flacco. I know it was fun watching him kind of dice up defenses the way he was in those final was it, three or four games he played to finish off the season and help the Browns to their playoff march. But he was turning the ball over fairly consistently throughout all of that. Like, yes, his, his touchdowns were helping to outweigh the situation and obviously throwing for a ton of yards. You look at Amari Cooper's 260-some-odd-yard game. Like, it's easy to kind of hide the mistakes when the things are going so well offensively, but there was a lot of mistakes in hindsight to look at, and I felt like I saw a lot of that when I was really looking at these two teams matching up, and I picked Houston for the win. So it's unfortunate. The defense also hyper-aggressive got burned in this matchup here, and C.J. Stroud had the opportunity of a lifetime to solidify himself as a legit dog in the NFL, and I think he did so. So tough, tough outing for the Browns. I think they'll be back next year. Hopefully things maybe work out a little bit better for them next year. I'll be very curious to see how the offense looks with Deshaun Watson back under center again once more. Uh, if you're asking me, I really just do not like the way that whole situation has played out for Cleveland, and I think it's honestly biting them in the ass at this point right now, but all you can really do is hope for it to be better next year, right? And maybe that defense comes back and is still at least somewhat as impressive as it was this year. At number 10, we have the Dallas Cowboys. And my, oh my, what do I even say? I don't want to sound like a hater, and I don't want to put Cowboys fans down because I know you all are feeling the effects of that loss. It got so ugly so fast. Uh, you know, it, it was 
when we got that Darnell Savage pick six, I knew the game was over. Like, I know Dallas was trying to make a comeback late in the game, try to keep things close, but I never really felt from that Darnell Savage uh, pick six that there was ever going to be any possibility that they came back. Green Bay came in. They were way too hot. The defense, I don't know what happened there, but things just started to crumble defensively. I don't know if it's just the, the, the stress and the fatigue finally caught up to what was a very an overly aggressive defense earlier in the season. And maybe they started to slow down late in the year. And this was ultimately the culmination of that. But uh, man, it just defensively couldn't do anything. And then the mistakes on offense, whether it was penalties and penalties have been a thing for the Cowboys for the last handful of years. Now they are one of the most undisciplined teams in the NFL. And it feels like, you know, you're trying to take two steps forward, but you're taking three steps back with some of the penalties that are being made over there in Dallas. And obviously you look at Dak Prescott in the game he had and, I feel like Cowboys Nation is very divided right now, and I'm curious to hear what you all have to say about whether you want to see Dak Prescott back, whether you want to see Mike McCarthy back. I'll definitely open up that discussion for you on the comment section down below. Uh, me personally, again, not trying to sound like a hater. I just don't really know if winning a Super Bowl is really in the cards with Dak Prescott. It, there, when the light, lights are on bright at this point, like you can't really sit there and deny it anymore. It does not matter how much regular season success you have. There is an amount of pressure that comes to play or comes into play when you get into the playoffs and he has struggled with it. And I don't really think that that's something that you can't point to at this point in his career. So I'm curious to hear what you all have to think. And Mike McCarthy as well. He seems to find ways to, to, to lose big games. And you know, if it wasn't for a phenomenal defense and Aaron Rodgers and that offense back in 20, what was it? 2010 when they won the Super Bowl? I don't even remember 2009. It's been a long time since that one happened. Um, 2011. I don't remember. Regardless, not really sure. I think Mike McCarthy x Dak Prescott is the answer, but I'd be curious to hear what you all have to say. And then at number nine, the LA Rams, I want to tip my cap to them for playing the Lions very, very tight in a pretty hostile environment there. It felt like the entirety of Michigan was behind Detroit in that game there. But ultimately, it really just boiled down to not finishing drives. That's the biggest takeaway that I had from that game. Rams settling for field goal after field goal after field goal, where if you could just take even one or two of those field goals and turn them into six or seven points, you're talking in a completely different ball game where the Rams moved the football a lot and their defense really hunkered down in the second half there, shutting down the Lions in the entirety of the second half for that matter, but ultimately coming up short. If you can just get a little bit more on this offense. I think that another piece on the offensive line could benefit them getting a complimentary piece to this all-star running back you have now in Kyron Williams. This offense could be insane to watch going into next season. So keep an eye on the Rams. I think they'll be back. Defense is going to be older, more experienced. Now they get a playoff game under their belt. And there were so many young first and second year guys on that defense that were just storming behind Aaron Donald as like the lone guy with real, real experience. I'm really looking forward to see what the Rams end up being next year because this was far and away a much better season than I think a lot of people anticipated. And again, I got to tip my cap to them for putting up the fight and fighting all the way to the very end. And Matthew Stafford finally delivering a playoff victory to his Detroit Lions, albeit from the other side of the football. Moving into the top eight of the NFL, though, this is where the playoff teams reside. The ones that are remaining the best of the league sitting right now will reveal the next four teams at number eight. We're looking at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers climbing up the boards here. Seven spots shutting me up as I had them outside the top 14 going into the playoffs. At number seven, we have the Green Bay Packers jumping up five spots here. Another team really shutting me up going into wildcard weekend. I was doubting them as well as one of the worst of the playoffs 
playoff bunch. At number six, the Houston Texans continue to climb. I cannot believe I am living in a world where I have the Houston Texans inside the top 10 and literally the final team outside of the top five. And then at number three, we're looking at the Kansas City Chiefs. So the Buccaneers at number eight, like I said, offensively, that is the team that you get in best case scenario, Tampa Bay. My concern is not getting that same effort, or not that same effort. That's not the word I want to use. Not getting that same consistency going into their next matchup that they have this week against the Detroit Lions. Thankfully, they have a fairly favorable matchup against the defense in Detroit that has been at times leaky. However, the the Buccaneers, even in this win, had opportunities to make it an even uglier victory on top of that. Like I said, there was a real opportunity for Tampa Bay to hang at least like 40-something on the Philadelphia Eagles. They had a few miscues just here or there where a pass was dropped or maybe a throw was just a little bit off. And if they can put all of that together, this is a high-powered offense. Baker Mayfield is a good quarterback, and I'm so glad he hit a landing spot like Tampa Bay where they have a ton of talent on offense. They just really needed another quarterback to replace Tom Brady. They're looking really good on the offensive line. They have a, a fantastic offensive tackle combo at the left and right side. There's so much to like about them. Defensively, they do need to figure something out as far as stopping the pass, especially with the Detroit Lions coming up as their next opponent. They can stop the run with the best of them. You saw them get the uh, elusive stop against the tush push on the one yard line during that two point conversion. This is a team that can compete. It's just a matter of if you're getting the offense that's consistent and on schedule and actually able to connect because that has been the biggest issue in my opinion for the Buccaneers all season long. They've got the talent. They have all the skill. They have everything you literally need. But just for whatever reason, this team can sometimes show up and be completely off schedule offensively. And that's really what's hurt Tampa Bay this entire season and led to them sitting on a nine and eight record the way they have. At number seven, the Green Bay Packers. My oh my, what can I say? Going in to Dallas, where AT&T Stadium is essentially your home away from home at this point, having yet to lose in AT&T Stadium in every single appearance you've ever made in that building, be it in the regular season, in the playoffs, or in the Super Bowl, when the Packers won all the way back, like I said, what was it, 2010, 2011 with Aaron Rodgers? It is incredible to watch this run. Jordan Love is becoming a legit guy in front of our eyes, and it's awesome to watch. I cannot stress enough that every single team in the NFL going forward that is considering drafting a quarterback. And I, at this point, I'm, I'm at the point where I don't care if he is the number one selection in the draft. It would not hurt to sit your quarterback for at least a year. And if you can give him two years, even better. I know this is a results-driven business. You want to be around to see those results come to fruition sooner rather than later. But the fact that you took someone like Jordan Love, who had all the physical traits you could ask for, the size, the arm strength, that backyard kind of style that everyone loves that Patrick Mahomes has kind of brought and made famous in the NFL now. They took all that and they molded him into an absolute ice-in-your-veins quarterback. And it's, it, it, at this point, we've seen it happen with an experienced guy that they brought in in Brett Favre. They sat Aaron Rodgers for a duration behind Brett Favre, and we saw it work with Brett Favre, and now we're literally seeing it back-to-back-to-back to back to back with Jordan Love. There needs to be a case study on this. Everyone in the NFL needs to take a look in the mirror. I understand you want results now, and the guy that you're taking at number one through number 10, maybe you want them to start immediately, but sitting a quarterback might be the best 
idea for long-term sustainability. Again, I know some situations don't call for that, but if you're a first-year head coach and you're drafting a quarterback, or maybe you're a second-year head coach and you're drafting a quarterback, convince ownership, let them know, I want to get this guy, but give me the time. I, it, it can't happen three times now with Green Bay, and it not means something. You know, I feel like I'm on a tangent about Jordan Love right now, and I should be praising the Packers, but th- that is my biggest takeaway, is that the Packers are doing it right at the quarterback position, and every single other team in the league needs to keep an eye on it. Other than that, fantastic win. Like I said, you go in Dallas, you jumped out to a massive lead, and you never looked back. And I tip my cap to the youngest playoff team, I think, in the history of the NFL or something like that right now. I forget what it is. I keep hearing something about the youngest. Their offense is literally first and second year guys, coupled with Aaron Jones. And that's it. Everyone else is a first or second year starter at that point. So I've got to just... It's been incredible to watch. I'm here for it. They're playing with house money. They're going all in. It seems like every single week now, and I'm ready to see wherever this Packers team goes. And if it's if it's done next week, so be it. But if it keeps on rolling, I'm also here for it. At number six, the Houston Texans, and a team that literally went from worst to not necessarily first, but you are at sixth right now, so not bad. My oh my, C.J. Stroud. In the face of adversity, where a lot of people thought this defense was going to eat you alive because defenses win championships and rookie quarterbacks crack and fold under pressure when it matters most at this stage in their career against those elite defenses, you stared them down and you shut them down. And I, I, another young quarterback that I need to like heap praises on. On top of that, defensively, you took every opportunity to force Joe Flacco into mistakes, to be opportunistic making plays on third down from start to finish. It was an absolute clinic. I had people trying to tell me that the Texans were going to be lucky to even put up 10 points in that game. And they put up, what was it? 45. Where did this Texans team come from? You have offensive rookie of the year. You have defensive rookie of the year on the same team on the same team. Yes. Will Anderson jr. Heavy consideration for defensive rookie of the year. In my opinion, It's a wild situation brewing right now in Houston. And again, I'm here for it. A very young team with a lot of castaways and guys that people didn't necessarily want. D'Amico Ryans deserves all the praise in the world and then some for taking this team all the way to the playoffs the way he has. Clearly, everyone has bought into what's going on over there in Houston. And as of right now, it does not matter what happens the rest of this playoff, whether they whether they're done next week or if they win the Super Bowl, regardless of the outcome, Houston is a destination to go to now. They took a really ugly situation with a quarterback, they flipped him to the team that they ended up kicking their ass in the playoffs against. And they took all their picks, brought in all these fantastic players. It took them a little bit of time, but it just how poetic that the team that you traded away your quarterback to you end up facing in the playoffs and you completely stomp into the mud and kind of do a little bit of a dance on them in the end it's just unbelievable stuff you can you cannot write it better in the nfl really at number five the kansas city chiefs and good victory by them Uh, again offense is continuing to kind of show its struggles and it is something that is concerning me here but with patrick mahomes under center you can always move and the emergence of rashi rice is something you cannot ignore over there and of course you have an absolute mauler at running back in isaiah pacheco solid offensive line the defense though is really carrying this team throughout 
this entire season and probably will continue to do so going through these playoffs here. Um, I will say, though, this with them moving up three spots here, they were ahead of all three, all what? Yeah, all three of the teams that are still in the playoffs that are below them right now. But they greatly benefited from teams getting knocked out to below them for them to be moving up right now. Like I, even though you kind of shut down Miami, a team that has yet to win a game whenever the temperature is below forty degrees uh, in NFL history. I don't want to take away credit for the victory, but the concerns are still there. Like you still saw a lot of it. Rashi Rice did a really good job of maybe quieting some of those concerns because he feels like, you know, the legit number one wide receiver that you've been searching for. But I still have some concerns because the offense isn't quite clicking yet. It isn't quite where it is. Maybe it gets better going forward. Thankfully, you probably won't be playing in what feels like minus 30 conditions going into, I believe, Buffalo next week. So hopefully that works in your favor. It could still be really cold. Hell, it could be snowing. But it feels like... Some of the issues are still there with Kansas City, but that defense is still phenomenal. You're getting so much production from so many young guys. You had an incredibly young group last year that got a Super Bowl run and ring of experience worth last year. So they're all battle-tested. They all know what to expect with these teams that they're going to be facing here, which I think really bodes well for them. It's just a matter of if they can keep this offense clicking enough to be able to hang with some of the scarier teams in the league right now, especially with Buffalo, the way they kind of look this week. Again, that is a team you have to respect right now. It seems like their issues that they were dealing with at the midpoint in the season are behind them. And then moving into the top four to wrap it up, at number four, I have the Buffalo Bills moving up a couple of spots. At number three, the Detroit Lions. And then at two, the 49ers stay put. And at one, the Baltimore Ravens. So the Buffalo Bills, as I mentioned, weather be damned and uh, you know i i don't believe in the conspiracies and the governor trying to help out buffalo i i really think honestly that they they did us a favor one they you know took care of everyone's safety but two we ended up getting to see a much better football game than i think we would have saw in ugly nasty blizzard conditions even if that game was allowed and possibly being able to be played ultimately though i like i was just saying it feels like buffalo's troubles especially offensively are far and away gone and they're not, it's not really something I'm too worried about anymore. The defense, for all the injuries they've been dealt with this year, continues to be impressive. Maybe they bend a little bit more than you'd like to see them. But ultimately, Josh Allen feels like he's feeling himself. He's always been really good in the playoffs overall. And, I mean, you have so much talent. Dawson Knox is back. He got to make a touchdown catch during this game as well. This team feels like they're hot at the right time. And that is going to be a very scary unit for Kansas City to deal with next week. At number three, the Lions. I doubted them. I had the Rams coming into Detroit and continuing this drought of playoff wins in Detroit, or just playoff wins in general for Detroit, not necessarily in Detroit, but just for Detroit in general. But they got the job done in a gritty victory. Offense really slowed down in that second half. It turned into kind of a bend-but-don't-break situation defensively. But overall, you did enough in the first half to maintain the lead. Now you have to worry about going up against a Tampa Bay Buccaneer offense that can, again, be very good as long as they're on schedule and they're able to hit the plays that they need to make. So it'll be interesting to see how Detroit fares going against Tampa Bay. As of this moment, I feel like I'm leading a little bit Detroit, but I want to look at some more things before I ultimately make my decision. But Detroit feels really good right now, and I'm living in a world where Detroit – 
in my opinion, is the third best in the NFL, and they are a legitimate Super Bowl contender, and I do think they could hang with any of the other teams in the NFC right now. The only team you have to really be worried about, in my opinion, is that Green Bay Packers team that had a really nasty win over you on Thanksgiving, especially in Detroit as well. Last thing you want to do is end up facing them again, even if it is in your house after what happened there. I definitely think that's something that would be in the back of Detroit Lions' mind, but they have to go through, of course, the San Francisco 49ers first. And then the top two teams in the NFL, I don't really have much to say about them. They did not play this week, but in my opinion, and, and for quite some time now, the 49ers have been number two. The Baltimore Ravens have been number one. This is how it has been status quo for at least like a month now at this point here. I think the Ravens are the best of the entire league. The 49ers sit right behind them with the Ravens being the only team that really handed them an ugly, ugly loss. So hence why I have them at number one and two. But those are my power rankings. Those are my thoughts on this past weekend's games. As always, if you made it to the end, I greatly appreciate it. Comment your thoughts, your opinions down below. Picks are going to come out later this week. I'm going to be recapping the United Football League's Super Draft that they just had yesterday as well at some point today or tomorrow. So be sure to check that out as well if you're a spring football person. But again, that's it for me. I appreciate you greatly. I will see you all next time. Have a good one.